The views and opinions expressed on WXOJLP are solely those of the original hosts and guests of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other hosts, guests, or programs broadcasted on this station. If you would like to know more about Valley Free Radio, please visit us at valleyfreeradio.org. Welcome to Civil Politics here on Bally Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Michael Dow, with me tonight are George Claxton. Good evening. And Stefan Ward-Wheaton. Hello. Uh, Susan Timberlake is uh, out tonight. Hopefully she'll be back again next week, bright as a button. And uh, we also have uh, John running the sound. So, um, before we uh, begin to talk about things... uh, uh, where's this music from again? Like I, I know it's a, it's a like a it was like the Red Army Chorus or that, something like uh, that. That is uh, the, the, the gentleman's Russian. name is Eduard Gil, and um, he was a Soviet singer. That that is yes. a pop song. That is uh, the translation is I am glad because I'm finally returning home. But it's probably mm. best known for um, Internet Americans uh, because of its um, its uh, similarity to the troll. Uh, the troll meme, trollolol. Oh. His, his, it's an entirely vocalized performance. There's no actual words, and so it sounds like he's sort of laughing at the listener, which then became the. Uh, There's song. actually uh, the 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 song is actually a, a cowboy song. Yes. Um, and uh, it does have words, and uh, the original, yeah. the original, and he did. He just did the. Music, because the because he was going to be on TV and the government didn't want him to sing some of the the lyrics, so they kept him from. So it's basically yes, it's, a form of censorship. No, none of those uh, American capitalist yeah. lyrics, please. It was. I I think it was like I'm. I'm there is no censorship like, in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we we might have to be doing that again. Well, yes. fair enough. So before we start talking about uh, uh, politics and whatnot, I should just mention that we love to hear from you, and you can contact us, so please do. And the way you do that is you can email us, which is uh, civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org. On Facebook, we are facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio. And on Twitter, it's at civilpoliticsfm. We also have a website, which is quite simply civilpoliticsradio.com. And you can listen to recordings of previous episodes, see links to things we talk about on the show, and other assorted knickknacks. Um, yeah. So, uh, it's you know, in a way, this week sort of feels like, oh well, it's things have slowed down. You know, uh, 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 the the government hasn't completely collapsed, so I guess we're okay, right? Well, that's part of the problem, though. When we reach the point where we're feeling good because no one has dropped a nuke on us, <laughs> the situation has become quite dire. Fair enough. But on the other hand, th- that sense of perspective to appreciate how good it still is. is, is <laughs> I, personally, I'm still waiting for a day in which I don't feel like slamming my head against a wall. 
Mm. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Well, uh, you could always slam someone else's head against a wall, George. I'm sure that would be no problem at all. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, let's start talking about uh, something in particular then. Uh, let's start with uh, this ongoing metastasizing uh, in, in bits and pieces uh, sort of co- conglomeration of scandals. Uh, which Are you discussing the adventures of Michael Flynn? Well, it, I think he's sort of the focal point because there's the issue of, of uh, collusion with the Russians in terms of uh, how the campaign went, and then there's also the matter of uh, how it's influenced our foreign policy and jeopardized national security. Well, there's also the matter of Flynn apparently massaging our uh, relations with the Turks. Right, right. Because he was also receiving money from the Turks at the time that he was making decisions on our support for the Kurds. Right, uh, it's about half a million things. dollars, is my understanding. Yeah. And, and uh, he did not disclose that. He did not. Yeah. He did not register as a foreign agent, which he is required to do. And as a person who was formerly in the Department of Defense who had access to lots and lots of American secrets, he's supposed to let them know, one, when he travels abroad, two, if he's receiving money from anybody while he is abroad, Mm. which he did not do. So So effectively, he he was a lobbyist. At the same time, yes, he retroactively registered as one. Yes, retroactively, yes, but but the problem was that at the time that he was affecting U.S. policy towards Turkey and Russia, he was receiving money from these from these, and and he did that even though the Trump administration hadn't taken power because uh, his predecessor Susan Rice, uh, Obama's national security advisor, her his, his last one. I don't think she was there the whole eight years. No. But I can't remember who else was before her, but it doesn't matter. Um, she went to him and said, so we're planning this attack on Raqqa, which is a, a city in Iraq, which is a major stronghold for ISIL or ISIS or Daesh or whatever we want to call them. And, uh, and, and the Turks apparently didn't like that idea because it would have basically meant giving a lot of weapons to Kurds and supporting mm-hmm. the Kurds in, yes. in the field. And um, uh, the government of Turkey is far more concerned about uh, uh, Restive Kurds, especially the PKK, the Kurdish Workers' Party. And they think all Kurds are members of the PKK. Whether or not they are, which a lot of them are not. Most of them are not. Yes. So, yeah, so that's certainly... um, And, and of course, there's just something infuriating about, to, to me, and I just, like... Trump, whenever he would talk about foreign policy and whatnot, he'd basically go on about wanting to stop ISIL and how he was going to do this great job of cracking down on them, and no one would be tougher on them than him. And here was a plan to directly attack them, to launch an offensive on one of their strongholds. And, you know, it got shot down by somebody, you know, by part of his inner circle, somebody who was reporting to him directly. Uh, And it's possibly done so because that guy got half a million dollars to do it. Who well, knows? I mean, I mean it, it, the, the it fact, may not the be true. The fact is that we know that Trump lies most of the time. Yeah. An analysis done of his speech before the election showed that he was lying 91% of the time. Yeah. And since then, things haven't gotten any better. You know, when, when we reach the point where people 
are saying, well, I'm speaking on behalf of the president, and this is the reason that he fired the head of the FBI. And then Trump comes out a few hours later saying something entirely different. You cannot trust these people at all. Right. And, and uh, uh, Rosenstein, is it Rod Rosenstein? The, uh, yes, Robert the, Rosenstein. The, the, the Robert, Robert Rosenstein, the deputy or the second in command at the, at the Department of Justice. I forget. Yes. Deputy Attorney General, I think. Yes, is he's term? Deputy, deputy Attorney General. Yes. Right. So he gave closed door testimony to the Senate, I think, yesterday, was it? Or was it the day before? But anyway, he, he uh, talked about, he told them apparently that the memo that he wrote about suggesting that James Comey should be dismissed as director of the FBI because of uh, being overly harsh and critical in his, in his investigation of Hillary Clinton, um, that he wrote that memo, uh, but he'd already been told, he'd been told before he wrote it that the plan was to fire James Comey. Yes. And that he wrote the memo anyways, or I guess knowing Bas- it was to basically provide, provide a fig leaf. Basically of a reason to fire Comey. Right. So, which doesn't speak well for, for Mr. Rosenstein. Well, from my understanding, he actually has a lot of support among people in D.C. and among people in the Department of Justice. He is a career DOJ guy. And, you know, you get a new boss, the boss says, well, do this, and you want to play ball. On the other hand, he's also the guy who just appointed Robert Mueller, a former head of the FBI, to be the special... Uh, investigating prosecutor on the Russia. Now, am I, am I remembering correctly, um, Robert Mueller, when he, he was head of the FBI back during uh, when George W. Bush was uh, president, and he was the fellow who uh, dropped everything and got to the hospital room when uh, Roberto Gonzalez, the White House counsel, was trying to put the strong arm on John Ashcroft, who was then the attorney general, to reauthorize a domestic surveillance program, a, basically a warrantless domestic surveillance program run by the NSA, um, you know, in response to, to 9-11, and, you know, wildly unconstitutional. Um, yes, and as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. Mueller is one of the people who said it at the time. What's more— Well, well but, but Ashcroft was like, I don't want to do this because it yeah. was a bridge too far for, even for John Ashcroft, <laughs> but he just had surgery, and so they were trying to buttonhole him in, his, in the recovery room to get right. him to sign his name well, they, on the paper. They were sent there to do that, but Mueller opposed it. What's more, Mueller but is Mueller the guy— Mueller got to the hospital room to stop Yes, them. well, let me finish. Oh, yeah? Mueller is also the one who uh, wrote out— a memo in the same way as the Comey memo. In fact, this is where Comey learned it, uh, saying exactly what happened and why he opposed it. Well, I guess that's how bureaucrats uh, gear up and... This is how you cover yourself. CYA, I believe, is the... (laughs) Cover your butt? (laughs) Yes, something on on the radio, that's what it means. Yeah. Your posterior, yes. So, um, to me, what I think is... uh, like. The outrageousness of of uh, uh, breaking national security and maybe colluding with the Russians, I mean, that's obvious and, and important. Mm-hmm. But just even if it all turned out to be like a lot of smoke and no actual fire, even if somehow like this all turned out that like it's all actually above board, just poorly handled. Um, the, the thing that I think remains about this, the, the irreducible problem that I'm seeing 
with the Trump administration and the way that Michael Flynn is handling things, the way the, the Michael Flynn affair was handled on, in multiple ways, um, and the way that the firing of James Comey was handled, but also the idea of firing him in the first place. Just there's this complete misunderstanding of what is involved in the job of governing. Yes, and right. that is, in the end, what they are there to do. They are there to do these jobs. And I realize that there's a certain amount of ideology saying like, well, you know, we want to have a smaller government. We want to dismantle the administrative state. Like, okay. But that's not really what this is about. Well, right. This is this is like there's they're saying like, I think government should do less. I think government should operate differently. And then there's just not being able to do the job. Then there's just getting it wrong. I mean, I've just been started listening to a podcast called Revolutions by I think the other guy's name is Michael Duncan. He's a historian. He did a uh, history of Rome before that. And so the first thing, first sort of period he's talking about in Revolutions is talking about uh, sort of the lead up to the English Civil War or whatever you want to call it, you know, like the de- deposition of Charles I and Cromwell. Yes, and it's whatnot. called the English Civil War. It's called a lot of different things, but I mean, whatever term you want to call it. Um, the, it's also called the English Revolution. I've, I've, I've seen historians call it that. But the point is, like, in the lead up to this, like, a big part of why it happened is because James the First, or uh, 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 not James the First, Charles the uh, First, uh, King of Scotland, Ireland, and uh, uh, England, just did not know how to run things. Mm. Did not know how to persuade people that it was in their interest to work with him. Didn't know how to recruit allies. Didn't know how to didn't know how to plan military campaigns. He was just inept at pretty much everything he did. And um, part of the re- a big part of the reason why England broke down into this bloody war, which rested for what eight years, I think. I can't remember exactly how long they were Sounds fighting. About right, yeah. but a while. Um, I, I'm not sure that I, I would agree entirely with this point, but yes, oh, there, no, no, there no, no, were no, no, no. there if, were there were massive problems there, in government there, at there, the time. Like 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 there's structural issues, and then there are the people on the other side. I mean, you can't have a war all by yourself, but. You know, uh, like at every turn, Charles the First would just sort of do the wrong thing. Like he'd he'd try to make make an ally of the Earl of Argyle and wind up, you know, alienating him, kind of thing. So uh, and people would say like, "There's a problem with this policy," and and he would persist in it. So the, and the and Trump is 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 this is like that, and like the people working for him seem to be operating in the same way. It's just, you know, it's a problem because like government does useful things. And we needed to do those things. And so I, I, I just think, like, even if all of this turns, all of these, like, scandals don't turn out to come to anything, he's still doing a terrible job of, of being the president. He so, is unquestionably the worst person to be president in probably the history of the country. Uh, James Buchanan is still, I say, the worst president the country has ever had. But, you know, Buchanan was in there for a full four years and it ended in a civil war. We've had Trump for like 120 days. He is already doing a worse job than Buchanan did in his first year. He is terrible at it. And despite all of the talk about, well, he's a businessman and he's using business principles, he's not. This is chaos. And we have hundreds of appointments that have not been made, which means there's work that's not getting done. We have people who have been appointed who have not a clue what they're doing. Betsy DeVos being an example. We have... Ben Carson. 
we have people in the White House who are leaking the most damaging information on a daily basis. Yeah. And these are people who support Trump. It's, it's really <laughs> astonishing. I just want to mention, by the way, you're listening to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. Stefan, it's, sorry, go ahead. Well, I, just kind of jumping off what George said, anyone who you know, likes to bat around the perennial refrain of government should be run more like a business, we're getting a case study into what happens when the consummate businessman g- gets injected into, the wa- into Washington politics. And it's, uh, it's, it's absurd. I mean, I was um, on the New Yorker Radio Hour, which is the kind of a, a podcast digest of, of sure. the, that the New Yorker releases, uh, releases uh, weekly. Uh, David Remnick, who's their general editor, was uh, interviewing Michael Anton, who's on the National Security Council, oh, okay. and is, was ostensibly there to essentially be, a, if not an apologist, then at least a, a, a spokesperson for sort of the Trump agenda. Uh, with respect to foreign policy, and even he said it's like, well, uh, Trump comes from a very uh, top-down, you know, a sort of CEO environment where you say, you know, you want to do this and it gets done. That's just not how things work. There's a, you know, the not in government. The yeah, th- there is a different structure. There are different uh, interests to be sort of placated. There are different power structures to be navigated. There around are also it. laws that um, actually apply to what yeah. you're doing. <laughs> yes. well. So when you when you write an executive order saying Muslims don't get to come into the country, that violates the law. <laughs> Particularly well, when, when it affects people with green cards who have a legal right to enter the country. <laughs> well, then you just go after the judge who, uh, who checks you and say that he's not really a judge. And all of the other judges right, <laughs> who yeah. put a check on you. And yeah, we, we've seen this over and over again. It's, I want to do this thing. I'm sorry, sir, you can't do that thing. Well, you're standing in my way. It's like dealing with a recalcitrant three-year-old. Um. Yeah, uh, the, Mr. Trump does seem to have some problems with impulse control because I'm also hearing, you know, uh, again, and these are leaks coming from his staff. And it, it, uh, it it's just amazing how, you know, uh, the, the report, I've, one report I've seen suggests that he doesn't actually read briefing papers unless he's mentioned in them. you know like he'll stop reading he won't read very far unless he sees like it refers to him specifically yeah and he he watches i think at one point i heard that he watches the news and and then like yells at his aides if the if the coverage if his coverage isn't favorable in the media yeah you know like like they're supposed to do something about my my understanding is that he did a similar thing when he was in private business he had this sort of tantrum effect and so people always spoke to him in glowing terms of whatever was happening in trump world right but you know it goes beyond that we were talking about russia before a story that was published yesterday i think it was it was either in the new york times or the washington post they've been sort of trading their uh breaking of news the last week uh but a member of a republican member of the house Mm -hmm. early last year was talking to other republicans about how his understanding was that trump was receiving money from russia it was a mccarthy the majority leader yes Uh, and it was a conference call yeah and you know they were they were all saying well yeah but let's not talk about that let's keep this in the family and then when somebody was asked about it 
last week while they were writing the story, he said, no, no, that never happened. It, it was, those words were never said. And they said, well, we have a recording. Oh, it was a joke. Mm. <laughs> well, guys, it, that's a problem if, you know, you're switching between it never happened to, oh, now it was a joke. Well, and right. that's the, the 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 constantly changing stories, the constantly shifting explanations um, and justifications for things is none of which actually makes sense. Well, e- even the ones that would make sense are are, you know, they're 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 not reliable. I mean, at, th- at this point, uh, it's very difficult uh, to understand what the government is doing, what what our country is doing in a number of respects, and why it's doing it. Um, I like, and and that is and that is a problem. Um, and again, like you were mentioning, how like run like a business. Well, a business has basically one ultimate metric, right? Like a whether or not it's successful, and that's profitability. Exactly. I mean, in theory, uh, businesses are there to provide services or whatever. But I mean, any for-profit business, in the end, it's there, uh, trying to make money, mm. um, and. Uh, if if the people who are running it have uh, sort of different objectives or uh, like other ways that they they value what their company does, um, like okay, so as as I've mentioned, I uh, am part owner of a company that has a couple of comic book stores and game stores, and we certainly care about making a profit because that's what keeps us in business and that's how we get to do what we do. Mm. But part of what we also want to do is we want to create what's called a third space, like a place for people to come together. That's yes. not your not your home, not your work, but a place where people come together and form communities. To socialize. Yeah. Yes, and, and that is that is something we care about. People come together to, to, to talk about comics and play D&D and, and, and be the, the nerdo American community that I'm happy to be part of. But the... the and, well, let me just... So... Yeah. so like we care about that and we have at times made decisions that cost us money that 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 you know, reduced our profitability because we're like but this is how we what we want to do this is why we're doing it but government because it's not interested in making a profit it's all about caring about things like creating a third space or whatever it's just a different approach altogether and so like the right. the, the, the the management it's techniques a utility model right and the management yeah. techniques like the way you'd understand how how to do something and whether or not it works just doesn't apply because, because that's what the, government does. the government is there to serve a function the government is there well many functions. to provide you with what you need to survive yeah and it shouldn't be interested in profit the when the government was handing out student loans for example the student loan program worked a lot better as soon as they gave it over to the banks the whole thing fell apart yeah because the bank's interest is, as you say, in making money. And they're going to find as many streams as they can for making a profit, no matter who gets hurt. That's not the function of government. The function of government is to make sure you get to go to college and it gets paid for and you don't get hurt. But an, another uh, interesting thing that just came up in terms of what has happened in the last week you know, we got the story of how Trump gave away secret information to the Russians. And we then had Putin come out saying, well, that's not true, and I've got the transcripts. Why is it that Putin has transcripts of that meeting? They wouldn't allow the American press in. 
How is it that the former head of the KGB has transcripts of a meeting in the Oval Office? But beyond that, we also know that the Israelis who provided us with that information are outraged. An article that was just published uh, yesterday or today in Foreign Policy magazine makes it clear that the, the, the Israeli intelligence branch is fuming over this. And we already know that other intelligence agencies are saying that they are unwilling to share their information with the United States if that information Get gets passed along yeah. to the president. Right. That's frightening. It certainly, it, it means that it's going to be really hard for the whoever's in the Oval Office to make decisions about important national security matters if they aren't being told everything that they would need to know. Right. But, you know, you can't tell them, you know, I if, if it's going to create problems with our allies, then we have to respect that. So, yeah. Just in time for um, uh, Mr. 45's Middle East uh, press. Uh, yes, press the, the yeah. distraction journey. <laughs> Well, you can't talk about that Russia stuff because I'm in Saudi Arabia. Well, he's going to Saudi Arabia, Israel, and what was the third one? He's going to Europe, to various European capitals. Is he going to Turkey? I don't think I so. I don't think so. I think he's going to have Erdogan come well, to the United States. Well, Erdogan was just here, yeah. and there were these bloody protests. Yes. Like like, like people... Erdogan's guards yeah. were beating the crap out of Erdogan. Yes, attacked people on the streets in Washington, here in the U.S. Yeah. That was like, like talk about brazen tyranny. Well, I, it yeah, I mean it's if they're peaceful protesters, he wants them shut up, so he has his thugs attack them in our country. Yeah, it's uh, and on the public streets, a, they weren't yeah. they weren't filmed. on the uh, embassy grounds. They weren't, they weren't invading the yeah. property. Of well, the, if it were on embassy world. grounds, it would, it would technically be, be Turkish territory. Yes, but it's, true. It's. But they Turkish came control. off of Turkish territory right. and attacked people in the United States. Right. I mean, this is – uh, the Trump administration doesn't seem to be making this into the major diplomatic problem that it is. I mean, it's, it's not quite the Chileans bombing somebody and, you know, murdering someone in the streets of Washington under Pinochet. But still, it's, <laughs> it's pretty bad. Um, well, I think, though, that is the problem, isn't it? You know, we go from day to day just saying – it's really bad. And look what the latest thing is that they did. It's really bad. Mm. And we, it we have at this point even Republicans saying this guy needs to resign. Which Republicans are saying that? Uh, actually, uh, members of former administrations. I just heard a person who uh, was in the Bush administration say mm. that. But... No, I haven't heard anybody in Congress or... See, but this is the problem. I have heard one person in Congress, I don't remember who it was, no. say that that it's getting to the point where we have to start encouraging him to think about resigning. Yeah. Okay. This is the problem that, George, that you're alluding to, is that he, uh, the, the, the issue is that Trump is enabling a right-wing agenda that congressional republicans have wanted to enact for a long time and he in in many ways is their meal ticket to getting this done so th th the problem is not just that he's a buffoon it's that he's a useful buffoon and yeah. that gives that and a that, dangerous buffoon exactly and 
it's it's a symbiotic relationship now between uh, the Republican-controlled Congress and the, the Trump White House, and that's going to make it much more difficult to actually get rid of him because... Well, the, the problem with that, though, is that next year is an election year, mm. and the entire House is up for election, and these guys are getting scared because Trump is looking so out of control they're thinking that they might lose their seats. That's possible because in addition to like, well, and this is why I was saying like this is all tangled knot and Michael Flynn was sort of a great sort of entry into it. Mm-hmm. Just because like there's the problem on the one hand of there are a lot of people who in this country who are patriotic, who don't like the idea of us being manipulated by the Russians and don't like people who are traitors. But there's also the problem of even if that isn't true, like, the Trump administration is just screwing things up. I mean, the AHCA is a terrible law. It yeah. hasn't been passed, but it's just a terrible law. And and they're not handling things. They're not running things properly. It, it's it's just a big mess. And and that's not going to endear anybody. Like, why vote for Republicans? Why turn out and vote mm-hmm. for your party if they're just going to screw everything up? And I mean, I, I want to have your optimism that they're that sort of the electoral. Oh, I don't um, know if I'm optimistic. I'm just wondering how this is how this, how this can work. Well, my worry is that the House is so well gerrymandered in Republicans favor. I think they think they they at this point might mm. still have the idea that they can ride out even a even a shift, a fairly a substantial shift in voter sentiments. It's also a midterm election, which. Uh, liberal and democratic groups tend to perform more weakly in midterm elections. On the other hand, you also have people from those groups who are so riled up at this point that they might actually turn out. It could be like it's 2006. Possible. Yeah. So, well, we'll have to see. Uh, we're actually we're going to take a short break right now and uh, play some messages, PSAs, and whatnot, and we'll be back with more civil politics in just a couple of minutes. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Classical music on Valley Free Radio. Tune in to Andy Musique Wednesday mornings at 7 a.m. for an hour of beautiful music to start your day. Hosted by Lucy and Larry. Hi, my name's Leo, and I use he, him, his pronouns. Hi, my name's AJ, and I use they, them, theirs pronouns. Did you know that sex is your biology and gender is how you identify? You can't assume someone's gender. Based on their clothes. Based on their hair. Based on their voice. Who they hang out with. Who they're attracted to. My gender isn't your business. Ask me my pronouns! Brought to you by the PVPA Student Group for Gender, Sexuality, and Diversity. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres, and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in the CD or tape player. Each week presenting shows which can at times be organized orderly and at other times perhaps be not as much so, yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP, Northampton 103.3 FM. Hi, this is Wendy, host of Subculture, a music show featuring new wave, electronic, indie, and funk. Join me Friday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ or tune in from anywhere by visiting our website at valleyfreeradio.org. If you miss Subculture on Fridays, don't worry. You can hear it again from midnight to 2 Sunday mornings. Thank you for supporting Valley Free Radio. 
iHeartJRock with DJ Sakura is on Saturday mornings at 12 to 2 a.m. on WXOJ LP 103.3 FM in Northampton. And you can stream us on valleyfreeradio.org. iHeartJRock will be playing rock music from Japan, uh, J-Rock, J-Pop, and some VK. Uh, if you like that stuff, give my show a listen, please. And also follow me on Twitter at DJ Sakura 666 Thank you. Forbes Library offers free access to computers, and now they are equipped with tools to make them easier to use if you are blind or have low vision. When you come into Forbes Library, you will find computers with JAWS screen reading and magnification software installed. Trained library staff are available to get you started. These services were brought to you with federal funds provided by the Institute of Museum and Library Services and administered by the Massachusetts Board of Library Commissioners. Call 413-587-1012 to find out more. You want to learn to fix your bike? How to keep it tuned up so it's there for you when you need it? Or maybe you know already, but you just need to borrow a bike-specific tool that you don't have. Well, come to the Bike Lab at 12 Northern Avenue in Northampton. Drop-in hours are Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Come with your bike or your questions. And your willing attitude. (laughs) Just to share your company. Spare parts scavenger hunt every weekend. That's the Saturday Bike Lab at 12 Northern Avenue. Venga para el Bike Lab de Northampton y se divertirá mucho, le enseñará muchas lecciones como arreglar bicicletas. Details are online at pedalpeople.coop under Bike Workshops. They say freedom isn't free, but at the Bike Lab it is. Hi, I'm Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now! You're listening to Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM in Northampton, Massachusetts. Today, community broadcasting is more important than ever. Corporate interests affect what music we hear on commercial radio, and real news and opinion take a backseat to ratings and profits. Valley Free Radio is owned by its members, operated by volunteers, its programming created by your friends and neighbors, and it's wholly supported by the community. Please consider going to www.valleyfreeradio.org donate to support free speech in the Pioneer Valley. Thank you so much. And we are back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM, Northampton, Massachusetts. Uh, so we're, we're back, guys, uh, and I think I wanted to pivot a little bit to uh, talk about uh, something that's of a particular interest to those of us who here at a small community radio station, some of the changes that the FCC is proposing, mm. uh, changes to net neutrality, and also changes to the rules for uh, how radio and television stations have to handle themselves and connect with their communities. Um, uh, in particular, let, let's start with this. Uh, it's I think it's called the local studio rule. Um, and basically the idea is, like, if you're going to be a, a broadcasting station in a community you actually have to have a full studio capable of creating new programming, you know, with microphones right. and cameras if you're doing TV or whatever. Main studio rule. Main studio rule. Thank you. And uh, part of the idea of that is that people in the community can come and find you. Uh, they can come in and talk to people and be on camera and whatever, uh, interact with the people who are actually making the programming in their community uh, and 
you know, right. as opposed to somebody sitting in New York right. or Los Angeles or Chicago uh, doing canned stuff and sending it out to right. local repeater stations. Here's the news in your neck of the woods. Here's the news for Springfield from Chicago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, the, the, uh, uh, the, I'm not sure if it's uh, if I heard this specifically from Ajit Pai, who's the uh, head of the uh, FCC right now, the chairman, yes. or if it was just one of his spokespeople. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but basically, uh, they were saying like, well, because it, there's so many ways for people to keep in touch electronically, you know, the, it's so much easier for you to like uh, interact with people without actually having to go and 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 physically go in and talk to them or whatever. There's no need for us to do this anymore to require this. So actually, one of the reasons the local newspapers still exist is that they have that connection to local communities. Yeah. So people can walk into the newsroom and say, Mr. Editor, I have this idea for a story. Hmm. And without that, what you end up with is getting canned news. What you were just saying, you know, here's the Springfield news from Chicago. Yeah. Except, of course, you're not getting real Springfield news no. because there's nobody in Springfield to give you the news. There was a newspaper in Pasadena some years ago that was having their local reporting done from Bangalore. Bangalore. Yes. In and India. what they would use Fiverr or something? What they would do is they would pipe over the. Um, the town, the city council meetings from Pasadena, some guy would be watching them on television in India and would write a story about it and then send it over the wire to the newspaper in Pasadena because they could pay the guy in India a lot less. Right. You know, it might cost you, say, $20,000 for a reporter in the United States would cost you 50,000 rupees in India, which came out to a dollar seventy-five, so it was simply cheaper that way. The problem, of course, is that you don't get any follow-up questions from the guy reporting from India. You don't have any community connections from that guy. So if Stefan, if Stefan says, "Well, yes, I did not, in fact, sell that piece of town property." To that developer, that didn't happen. You don't have anybody to go out there and actually look at the paperwork to find out that he did. Right. And and, and no understanding of sort of the implications, the, the local knowledge that would let you to go, yes. oh, well, that's a big deal, or that street isn't over there. I don't understand what he's talking about. That's, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. don't have the local knowledge. The point of journalism is information gathering, not just repeating what, you know, canned quotes yes. from official spokespeople. And one of the problems that you're getting with a lot of newspapers these days, especially local newspapers, is that you'll have uh, business organizations sending out what is effectively press releases, but they send them out looking like they're actual articles written by a reporter. Formatted like articles so they can just strip off the header and and print them. And and print them just that way. So what you're getting is corporate propaganda instead of reporting. Yeah. yeah, and it looks like that's what they're trying to do electronically with these new rules. Yeah. So, Stefan, you actually like in your day job, you have something to, to do with uh, something. Issue. Yeah, something. Yeah. Can you tell us a little about I, that? Um, I work with an organization that uh, is is heavily involved in uh, 
um, shaping um, federal and state policy around communications and uh, journalism, and specifically the Internet as well. And I should clarify that I speak only for myself um, when on in remarks in this and other media. But um, right, I even though the, the organization, I forget, uh, the, they're they're called Free Press, right? Because they they're, they're a nonprofit, and they've actually been associated with. They helped found Valley Free Radio, I think. Yes, right. yes. So um, I just it's it's worth mentioning, like like we have a true. long history we, with them. They they are supporters. And I'm of assuming the this is not associated with the Detroit Free Press. No, 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 no. no, no. no Although no. I do occasionally get calls from people in uh, East Michigan. Um, who have a question about the crossword. So, uh, <laughs> Do you help but, them? <laughs> yeah. I used to get I, those calls, too, actually. I, I, I tell them I'm terrible at crosswords. Yeah. Um, but uh, th- they're uh, currently in the thick of this fight because the FCC has uh, officially, as of today, recommended that um, they uh, repeal the Title II classification for um, Internet, um, essentially Internet communication writ large and it's this is what's known as net neutrality yeah um the uh the the title two classification was made for um for the internet well the internet was basically brought into title two which was um a depression era regulation designed to regulate common carrier common carrier thank yes. you uh, w- it was designed to sort of regulate. Um, you mean like radio networks or telephone radio network, networks? Telephone networks. Okay. Um, but, that o- but also things like physically moving stuff from one point to another. So right. if, for example. Like a freight company. Yes. So if, for example, you want me to move these boxes and he wants me to move these boxes, I don't get to charge him $1,000 extra for moving right. the boxes just because he has a beard. <laughs> yes, I know. The, the beard has some questionable qualities, but it should that's not be a, a, a rationale for that's charging. That's a beard? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, oh, that's a beard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, thank you, Mike. Um, it's Visual it's, humor on it, radio. It's got some it's, stuff on your face. I know. It's we, a function. We, we all have face. faces for radio. Here. Yes, we do. Um, it's a function of the Interstate Commerce Clause because the 1930s was a point at which, um, at that time, state-of-the-art communication networks were starting to become um, a nationwide network and we needed a framework in order to regulate it um, and this essential and it was an it was supposed to be an antitrust regulation so that right. um, AT&T or at that time Ma Bell um, couldn't pull you know couldn't do what the railroads had tried to do a couple decades earlier and essentially um, meter uh, prefer preferential rates to some um, to some uh, um, uh, clients and uh, not so so preferential rates to others. Um, what we have with the internet is a, a more contemporary state-of-the-art technology that for a long time the, the regulatory framework d- was not equipped to really handle it. Um, and uh, the Title II classification in 2015 under the old Obama-era FCC, which was chaired by Tom Wheeler, um, essentially granted uh, internet... Who the, who the current chair, by the way, who is on the FCC at that time, voted yes. against... Ajit Pai the, was a the minority opinion, neutrality. yes, at, at that time. And, uh, um, but it, but that, that provision essentially made the common carrier regulation um, 
applicable to telecommunication entities like Comcast and AT&T that, um, that provide internet service to both businesses and individuals. And this is important because say you, like millions of people in this country, uh, subscribe to Netflix streaming service. Sure. Um, if you want Netflix to run uh, reliably and smoothly through your internet connection... Which I do. That, <laughs> yes, and, and I do as well. That means that uh, you need to be able to trust that the internet service provider, which is Verizon or uh, or Comcast or, or Charter uh, yeah. Charter Communications, um, is will will ensure that those data packets are sent and received at the same rate and with the same efficiency that say a Google search would be or um, or a uh, um, a search for a, U- a video on YouTube or uh, some other service coming through the or internet. if some, perhaps something if some group decided for example that they wanted to get their propaganda out there more the neo-nazis for peace right could pay extra and then their information goes faster over exactly the line right than and Netflix also, does. and also uh, for example, Comcast home video doesn't work fine, but oh, for some reason, there's just a problem with Netflix. Yes. The picture keeps freezing. I guess you should just keep using Comcast, huh? Right. Yeah. Yes. Or oh. Netflix has to pay a, a healthy premium, yeah. and that and that premium could be essentially at the discretion of the internet service provider. If these restrictions and this common carrier classific- classification was repealed, which is what Ajit Pai's current FCC is recommending... Um, and this is the situation we're in now. It's not a final decision. There's a, a comment period, and uh, those interested parties who want to weigh in on this should go to the FCC website and uh, feel free to weigh in. Um, but this is, uh, this is essentially the, f- the fight we're going to be having over the next few months about Internet policy because it's tremendously important. The Internet is, is vital not only to interpersonal communication broadly, but to commerce. Yeah. It's... Um, and the Title II classification was very important because it was a recognition that this was not just a kind of fringe, um, you know, sort of uh, boutique technology that was only interested only, only interesting to nerds like me, um, but was was in fact becoming a vital part of uh, daily life and business and culture in the U.S. and in the first world. Mm-hmm. So. You know, uh, speaking only for myself, I think it's a it's a it's a ter- repealing net neutrality and repealing the Title II classification is terrible, and it's a terrible move. Um, and um, it's uh, you know, w- it's essentially a period where you, where the public needs to make its uh, its feelings known. This this um, internet communities rallied themselves quite admirably five years ago to oppose the SOPA PIPA. Um, uh, uh, congressional uh, congressional laws that were proposed at that time, which would have drastically um, increased the level of uh, of sort of information gathering and surveillance. I would like to see a similar effort on the part of of uh, the same communities to look after the the look after the protection of their signals because this is going to affect everyone. Well, how I long is the comment? P- oh, I was going to say, how long yeah. is the comment period going for, Stefan? How much the comment is? period is going for. See, this oh, is if you don't know, I thought if you'd have it at the top, look at it the, up at, uh, the, well, at well, your fingertips. One thing that uh, we we should mention is there was a comment period before this decision was made. Mm-hmm. Uh, thousands and thousands of people, I think they had like 1.5 million comments right. in there, uh, and they still went forward with it. They have another 
comment period because this was just a recommendation. They're going to be making a vote on something similar, and they've and people have discovered thousands of fake comments on the FCC website. Yes. Um, reported. I mean, I'm I'm looking at a local a local news station. You know, ironically. Uh, 7,000 plus Coloradans names addresses used to post fake comments about about the government decision. These are fake comments, anti-net neutrality. And they all have very similar syntax and they, sentence yeah. structure. I, I mean, they're, I mean they, the, the similar syntax and sentence structure, that's with a lot of comments pro-net neutrality. I, I got an email from Fight the Future, Fight, Fight for the Future, and they had a link saying just click here and it'll post these comments with your with your name do do that and like a lot of people did that and a lot of people um and they made it really hard to comment as well because right. you had to go to the fcc wor- website search for the for the actual um decision and then comment click here comment here click here and it was just insane how they were basically trying to keep people from commenting and crash the website again mm-hmm. because there was an john oliver actually put out a call for it again but it's so is there a, it's can we, insane in the in the way that that mm-hmm. that this is being run is it's there's com- something that we can tell people where to contact yeah, go to yes. fcc.gov i'm seeing it's a 90 day comment period this is go. as of yesterday okay i'll post um, a link yeah i was going to okay, say genre great. please thank post you genre it's Wh- whether you agree with us i mean i think we're all prone to that neutrality mm-hmm. obviously our listeners may this disagree this is something please comment as a citizen mm-hmm. on this important issue um, we hope you'll comment the way we would and say, bad, net neutrality, good, don't do this. But whatever, your voice should be heard. We'll post a link so that you can comment. I should just, just a brief addendum. I now have spoken so much. That was me, not Valley Free um, Radio saying. Yes, yeah, e- yeah. exactly. We're all speaking for ourselses. But this is a bipartisan I'm issue. I'm not. <laughs> oh, <well>. <laughs> <laughs> George is not. Um, but this is, this, is a, this is an issue that crosses party lines. And lots of conservative minded people, libertarians and Republicans, are well in agreement that um, a, 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 a utility should be regulated and mandated to provide equal service that's you know that's something that is and and that um you know individuals and businesses should be free to conduct commerce or or do their business across the internet the same way you would expect a phone call to operate you know according to a certain level of service so this is not you know this is not some crazy liberal left-wing uh piece of propaganda this is a this is a fairly well um established uh, mode of mode mode of regulating service that that goes well, back decades, and, and that's so. where you're going wrong, of course, because you see, government should be run like a business, and uh, we've got an opportunity to make a lot of money off of this. Oh, certainly, you know, oh, there's and, big and that, interest riding on this. The the oh, yeah. telecommunications, which is what Ajit Pai is representing, exactly, yeah. and um, he's a former executive, and uh, th- there's a lot of money. Yeah. Yes, thank you for he, Verizon. He was a he was although, a lobbyist. Although, in mm-hmm. fairness, I should say Tom Wheeler was also an AT and T executive and proved to be much more um, open to these ideas. So yeah, not but all we exe- like him. Yes, not well, all executives are evil. He listened to for us. telecoms. Yeah, um, but uh, or for other businesses. But they have lobbied very extensively and with good reason because they they ha- they stand to make a lot of money from uh, shortchanging Billions. the public interest. Yeah. Well, and that's again the idea of like you run government to promote general welfare and provide services along a broad, you know, a, a broad spectrum of, of, the, of the population, whereas 
a business is just concerned with like how can we do something so that right. we make money off of this what can we do that will allow us to profit and you know if that means inserting once in inserting your business into uh, uh, the necessary function of life, well, that's just a way to make money off of it. And know? this is a problem that we've seen with the Trump organizations all along. You know, we, we talked before about Jared Kushner's sister essentially offering to sell connections to the White House to Chinese citizens for $500,000 a pop and give them easy access to the United States. Mm. Um, this is what we try to avoid in government. <laughs> this would work perfectly well in business. Yeah, you know, that's a great deal. I will give you access to the CEO for $500,000 investment. We don't want that in government. Yeah, pay to play is a poor, um, poor method of conducting business when you're trying to represent the public, at least on the face of things. It's also, you know, problematic when you have people running around trying to serve their private purposes or their ideological purposes. Uh, we have a legislator who has suddenly decided to leave the House of Representatives next month after already announcing that he would leave after this term and wouldn't run again next year, Jason Chaffetz, who was the head of the mm. uh, Oversight Committee and doing the investigation of the Russia probe, who went to the White House, saw secret information that he then rushed to the Oval Office to pass on to Donald Trump. Well, that wasn't Jason Chaffetz. That was a different fellow. That was Nunez. That was Nunez? Yeah. N Nunez. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, uh, not Nunez. Nunez. You remember, Nunez. you corrected yes, me about Nunez. that two weeks ago. <laughs> but, um, right. uh, but, but Chaffetz has, has been involved in this sort of thing, too. Well, he and was the one who held that hearing about Planned Parenthood. And right. Was, Among other things. And was, yes. uh, I can't remember uh, the... Uh, Mrs. Richards, the woman who's the head of Planned yeah, Parenthood. Cecile Richards. Cecile Richards. And he basically said, like, here's this graph showing how terrible. And she says, like, I don't know what that is. That's your graph. And it's not labeled properly. That doesn't make any sense. You know? Yes. yes. So Tremendously misleading graph. But, I yeah. mean, there, there's a series of things that, ha that have happened there. And clearly this guy is running from something. We just don't know what. Uh, and given the number of scandals that are currently right. alive and well in D.C., uh, there's probably more to come. Yeah. Apparently, the Republicans want him to give up his oversight committee uh, position before he resigns. Huh. Breaking on the Facebook. Yeah. Huh. So, Stefan, you want to got a last word for us here? Because we're going to be wrapping up in just a minute. The okay. fire next time. <laughs> yes, Jason. <laughs> as, uh, as Mr. Yeah. Baldwin once said. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> So we're just about at the end of our time here for civil politics tonight. Uh, we're going to be uh, 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 obviously taking a short break before our next show, which will be Subculture. And I just want to give a shout out. Subculture is a, a great music show. Uh, features a lot of pop and uh, uh, electronica and music that I like, uh, that my brother used to like. And uh, also the, the host, Wendy, uh, it's her birthday. So... Happy birthday, Wendy. Happy birthday, Happy Wendy. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy birthday, dear <laughs> Wendy. Happy birthday to you. You sound like an Edwardian chamber singer, George. There are confused looks out in the <laughs> lobby right now. That's awesome. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, that's a clip that we can deploy. There we go. Indeed. <laughs> so anyway, uh, and on that upbeat note, uh, we'll be back with more civil politics next week here on Valley Free Radio. Thanks for listening tonight. Thank you for joining us, and come back again next week. Good night.